Genre. weekly podcast where we review, discuss, and recap every episode of Doctor Who, one doctor at a time. I'm Nick Jimenez. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And I'm Scott Corelli. And today on the show, we'll be discussing the Ambassadors of Death, the third doctor's third story. And uh, what a story it is, guys. We should preface, we will only be discussing uh, the first three parts today. Uh, and then we'll be discussing the back half uh, on another episode because this is a uh, it's a long and seven parter the seven. But like the Harry Potter series, the Ambassadors of Death is a story told in seven parts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, a little bit of uh, background on this episode. So, first of all, it is directed by Michael Ferguson, who is a really great uh, Doctor Who director, uh, he directed The War Machines with the first Doctor. Uh, he would go on to direct The Seeds of Death, which is a really good story, really fun story. The Troughton one? The Seeds of Death? Yeah. Is that the Troughton one? Is Trouton that Troughton or, or is that... Because The Seeds of Death uh, is it, Doom. Isn't that the Pertwee one? Um, I think Seeds of Doom is the... Tom Baker one, and then Seeds of Death is the Troughton one with all the bubbles. What's the one? What's the what's the third Doctor one that I'm thinking of with plants? I have no idea. Okay. Oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> Seeds of Death. It's Ice Warriors. Okay. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, I got that confused then, so I don't know about that one. Uh, that one's I can't. Fine. I can't remember it offhand. It's fine. You said there's a, there's a lot of there's like a room full of bubble bath. It's fine. Oh, I remember that story. Okay. Well, yeah. War Machines is good. Uh, and Ambassador's Death is good. And then he also directed The Claws of Access, which is not good. Uh, I like the homeless but, guy. <laughs> yeah. But but it's of uh, Claws of Access is is not good and it's and it's it's no fault of Michael Ferguson. Um so uh you know, kudos. Yeah. Um he he directs the hell out of this story. That's for sure. Uh, it was also written by David Whitaker in his final Doctor Who script, uh, or was it? <laughs> and that's the background for this story. Uh, so in season five, back during the second Doctor, David Whitaker wrote The Enemy of the World. And uh, <laughs> the most emo, like some 41 title of Doctor Who episode. Oh, it's so good, though. I love it's, it. It's, a, it's amazing. Uh, it's a phenomenal story. Um, it only recently exists. Um, oh, they find it in that Brazilian bar or whatever? Africa, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so, yeah. So David Whitaker was approached after, um, after uh, Enemy of the World to write 
a story by then story editor Derek Sherwin. He wanted him to write another one, uh, a serial that would concern humanity's first present day encounter with alien life. And it was originally going to be called The Invaders from Mars. Mm. Uh, And so he started developing this story with uh, Derek Sherwin. Derek Sherwin went on to be promoted to producer and Terrence Dix was promoted (laughs) to script editor. Uh, Terrence Dix is the sort of creative – they didn't have showrunners back then. Uh, they had like this this partnership thing that was going on uh, between the script editor and the producers. The producers were largely responsible for the look of the show and the script editors were largely responsible for the kind of like tone of the show. Um, and so Terrence Dix became script editor and was script editor through the third doctors uh, or the transition into the third doctor. And uh, he and Barry Letts sort of, be, you know, came up with the concept of uh, the whole unit and and uh, uh, Doctor being stranded on Earth and all of that stuff. Um, so originally, uh, Invaders from Mars was written to be a second Doctor story. It was developed over the course of like two years. And uh, by the time it was – by the time that – David Whitaker was ready to write the thing. Uh, everything about the show had changed. So he wrote the first part of what was now going to be a seven-episode storyline titled The Carriers of Death. And basically no one involved with the show was happy with the script because he was still writing – the second doctor, essentially, he, he used a lot of, you know, he used the brigadier, he used Liz Shaw, he used unit, but it didn't feel like a third doctor era story. Mm. So they gave it to the first assistant uh, script editor and he rewrote the script for the first episode and they gave it back to him and they were like, this is what we actually want. So then they met with him and he wrote two more parts that they weren't super happy with. And ultimately, he was so frustrated that he just quit. Uh, And so he did not write anything past the third story. Uh, And at that point, um, Trevor Ray, uh, let's see, he was the, yeah, he was the assistant uh, script editor that rewrote episode one. Trying to find who it was. Oh, Malcolm Hulk, who, or Hulk. uh, Oh, Silurians, right? Right. Yeah. The guy who wrote the Silurians, uh, he actually came in and rewrote everything after episode one. So he wrote episodes two. He rewrote episodes two through three and wrote episodes four through seven from scratch. So um, but uh, as a result of this coming like very, you know, late in the in the game, uh, the contract was already signed that David Whitaker would get sole credit for these stories. And so that was not able to change because they didn't have uh, the same kind of like uh, guild laws and stuff uh, in England. Mm. Um, So despite not having anything to do other than his basic outline, not having anything to do with episodes four through seven, uh, he still retains uh, script credit for those stories. But they were actually written by Malcolm Hulk. And oh. the majority of these were written by Malcolm Hulk. And as a result, 
Whitaker actually hates this story. Uh, Understandably so, since it's not really what he wanted. But, uh, you know, I also see it from uh, the perspective of uh, uh, everybody, uh, Terrence Dix and and Mm -hmm. Barry Letts, because he wasn't writing what they wanted. Yeah, and the perspective of, of it being good. Right. Well, I mean, but but the thing is, it is it is good, but we don't know how good or bad his story was before that because Whitaker's a great writer. Right. Right. Definitely. Um, it's just not what they were wanting it to be. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, that's neither here nor there. So, um, so that's what's going on with that. Uh, the other bit. Let's see here. Um, Do we have any news, Scott, on the Doctor Who front? No, I'm still talking about the background of this uh, Ambassadors of Death thing. Okay. Um, <laughs> I have not moved on. Uh, t- 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 there was one other thing that was important in this. Don't remember what it was. Oh, uh, the only other thing that I thought was like a neat little bit of trivia was that the Recovery 7 set that they built uh, was a really expensive set. And the only way that they could get it approved is by convincing another show to also need it. That's amazing. Uh, so they, the two shows split the cost of the set. The other show was called Doom Watch, and they used it for an episode called Reentry Forbidden. Uh, and so they, they split the cost of the set between the two series in order to get the set approved by the BBC office. I was really hoping it was going to be like Faulty Towers or something. <laughs> that would have been amazing. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that's that was that that's it for uh, Ambassadors of Death. Well, okay, actually, that was the other thing, and I was looking in the wrong place for it. The other thing mm. is that uh, the Ambassadors of Death is one of the stories. Uh, it was completely it was completely shot on uh, videotapes, and the videotapes were all wiped clean, uh, and so this story technically doesn't exist. Technically, uh, what does exist and the reason why this story is in such poor quality is that while they would air the episodes, they would film the video with 16 millimeter cameras that shot in black and white. And so what existed was 16 millimeter black and white uh, recordings of the uh, of the of the episode airing on the BBC uh, and so they took those 16 millimeter recordings and colored them uh, like manually uh, and then released those on the DVD. And that's why that's why they look the way they look. Yeah, it's uh, it, I mean, the episode kind of it kind of looks like uh, like B-roll from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre at times. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, and that's the reason is because uh, uh, it's it's very uh shoddily put together unfortunately mm-hmm. um but yeah uh doctor who news there is uh there is some uh it's pretty big it, news uh well we have a na- we have a title for the for the christmas special that's pretty much it um the uh return of doctor mysterio and um, we talked a little bit about last week about how uh young justin chatwin of uh of the invisible and dragon ball evolution fame I uh, was playing a superhero and we actually got a promotional image released of him as said superhero. Right. And he looks amazing. Yeah. He looks like Bible man. Bible man. 
Is it, it, it looks uh, it looks not great. Um, I presume that that's on purpose. You have to believe that a show that has had such beautiful production design over the years. I mean, I think about like the Fisher King and like just everything that. Yeah, it has to be that it, it looks like a Fox Kids pilot, like somewhat intentionally. Yeah, it, yeah, it looks like um, Ultra. Is it Ultraman? What's the what was the character in uh, Jingle All the Way? Oh, Turbo Man. Turbo Man. Looks Turbo, like Turbo Man. Man. Um, only Turbo he has a G Man. on his chest. It's really confusing because the episode is called Return of Doctor Mysterio, and he and this guy has a G on his chest, and we don't know. I would have presumed by the title that he was going to be Dr. Mysterio, but obviously not. Oh, see, I think Dr. Mysterio is going to be the uh, antagonist of whoever Justin Chatwin is playing. Right. Yeah. So yes. the doctor? Yes, the doctor is, is <laughs> as another, the as another guy. Nom, yeah, he has another <laughs> nom de guerre and it's Dr. Mysterio. <laughs> oh, That'd be cool. No, was like, I didn't even villain. put that part together. Actually, what, what if it's Matt Lucas? What if Matt Lucas is playing Doctor Mysterio? Oh, God. I don't think so. I think I I, I think you don't uh, you don't put Doctor in the title of a Doctor Who episode unless you're talking to the about the Doctor himself, right? Right. So because it's too confusing. So yeah. I imagine that yeah, like Peter Cavaldi has to like pretend to, to be. be a- the supervillain or something. Or, or maybe Justin Chowen just takes one look at 12 and just assumes that he's a supervillain. Yeah, that's also possible. Um, so, yeah, so that'll be uh, that'll be coming up at the end of this uh, this round of Long Way Around. Uh, we'll be covering the mm-hmm. Christmas special when that airs. We also saw some pretty cool promo images for the class and uh, even a little bit of footage of Peter Capaldi in the class. I don't know if that's like just for the con or if that's actually going to be like in the pilot, but it, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. The yeah. trailer dropped, right? Yeah. Yeah, it did. I, we don't really know anything about it other than the doctor. The doctor is literally just like, sometimes they can't be there and you got to take care of yourself. So and like he just kind of shrugs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he just, he just sort of shrugs and that's the, that's it. That's all the trailer is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, and it's a bunch of people, uh, it's a it's a bunch of quick shots of people looking away from the camera and then looking toward the camera. And then it <laughs> cuts to another person doing the same thing from a different angle. Right. It's not a good trailer. It's it's really generic, hmm. um, which is shocking to me considering it premieres in like two weeks. Um, you would think that they would have put together a trailer that actually told you what the show was about. Right. Whatever. Um I, I assume it's because they premiered it technically in America. That's probably why it's so generic. Oh. Because they know that America has a long time to wait. Right. Before it actually premieres. Um, Maybe they're but, hoping that people are so starved for Doctor Who that they'll just like snap up whatever content they can get. Yeah. And it, it it's it's something to be said that this actually looks a bit more... Uh, YA than children section than yeah. Sarah Jane Adventures did. Uh-huh. Like I think you know, like I think I think most Whovians kind of oh you know took one look at Sarah Jane Adventures and, and and maybe even someone unjustifiably so I know I did this and was like oh this is so clearly not for me. That no no yeah it was it was definitely not for us yeah I I tried watching that show it's it's a kid show yeah did totally and class the, looks 
Yeah, sorry, this is off topic. Did you see the the episode of Sarah Jane? That's the only episode I saw was with um, Matt Smith and um, oh, what's her name? The girl who plays Joe. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that, that's the only one that I've seen. Yeah, I, I, I've seen that one, and I've seen the uh, the two parter with um, David Tennant. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, it's a kid show. I mean, they're they're fine. Those were entertaining enough, but. Yeah, it's still a kid show. and not even a kid show in the way that like Legend of Korra or like Gravity Falls is a kid show, but more right. like like uh, like Phineas and Ferb. Well, even that. <laughs> yeah, I like Phineas and Ferb a lot. Um. So anyway, but yeah, this this seems to be more in the in a tone like uh, like Buffy or something. Um. It feel it feels like a a very uh. Like like somewhere right between Sarah Jane and Torchwood. Okay, that's cool. Mm-hmm. That's well, kind, kind of, of a, what the tone feels. Or like. do you guys remember those shows that were there in the Disney Channel in like the late nineties, like so weird and yeah, yeah, kind of like that. Oh, see, I didn't pick up on that. That see that that's a kid show to me. Um, oh man, so weird used I, to freak me out not, when I was a kid. This, this is this is not a kid show. That was a Saturday morning show. That's. Not what this feels like. I always remember it being on in like on like Friday nights. Yeah, late afternoons. Yeah, but it was still not a prime time show, was it? It was like five. That's not a prime time show. I mean, it was Disney, prime, so they're all kids. Prime time is after eight. They still have <laughs> shows after eight. Yeah, I guess so. I wasn't allowed to watch True. a lot of TV though. <laughs> Scott's right, Cassandra. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not prime time. Prime time is eight o'clock. That is. What that is literally what primetime is. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this looks like a primetime show. It looks like a CW show or something. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't. It's not a kid show. Um. Anyway. Uh. So that premieres in like two weeks, and then it comes out in America the same day that Doctor Who will premiere. Um, in spring, or at least everyone's saying spring, but I don't know if they mean literally spring. Or if they mean like just no, no. Well, God, I hope not. That's <laughs> no. I mean, I mean, like spring semester is January. Oh, you know? yeah. Okay. And like a lot of times where they're like, yeah, fall TV, spring TV. When they say spring TV, they actually mean it premieres in January. Right. So I don't know if they mean that or if oh, they mean yeah. like literal spring like march april can you imagine like at the end of the christmas special you just see like coming january 5th bitches and you're like oh my yeah. god yeah it's like a month that'd be, that'd be happy birthday to me that'd be amazing oh did i just say your birthday accidentally oh one day after okay <laughs> it's crazy uh wait your birthday is january 3rd the 6th oh the 6th yeah oh, okay all right yay um, so, uh, I was going to say, cause January 3rd is like my grandma's birthday. So I was like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> um, anyway, um, yeah. So I don't know. We're going to figure out what we'll do for that. We're definitely going to cover, um, uh, the Christmas special. Uh, but oh, yeah. I don't know when we'll cover class, if we'll do it when it premieres in England or if we'll wait until it premieres in America. I don't know. We'll see. So yeah, I mean, if it just gets like insane buzz, we might have to like check it out early. But if it's just like, we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Uh, I mean, there's uh, there's kind of no point in doing it early because the majority of our listeners, I'm fairly certain, are uh, on our side of the pond. Um, mm-hmm. 
Because from what I, from, from what I <laughs> just pictured a really great like daytime talk show with Amy Pond called Our Side of the Pond. That's amazing. <laughs> from from what I like from the listeners that I've you know had feedback from, all I've ever heard is from American uh, listeners, American and Canadian listeners. Uh, the few times that I've gotten feedback from British listeners, it's hasn't been in a long time and I can't imagine that we don't annoy them. I remember the last, <laughs> the last time I've, I've heard, I heard people um, talk about, um, talk about uh, this show from England. They were complaining that I was pronouncing uh, Omega instead of Omega. Omega. Oh they say it Omega? Yeah. Like Omega. Oh Isn't that God. how they pronounce it? Yes. Like, yeah. It, yeah, it is, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. So okay. When you say it with an accent, I guess it kind of makes sense. Exactly. And that's what my argument is, is that, no, the word is omega. You're just pronouncing it with an English accent. Yeah, right, you imagine yeah. how, like, we would sound like like the the bigot, the most obnoxious people ever if we said right. Vincent van Gogh. Right. It's like it's like the people who it's like the people who uh, go to Spain and they're like, actually, it's pronounced Barcelona. Right. Yeah. yeah it's with like, the no, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> not without a Spanish accent. It's right. not. Yeah. Stop it. And sometimes it's all right. I mean, like, I don't. I don't go to New York and say Houston Street. It's Houston, but like, what? That's different. Wait, is it? Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You. It. Uh, if, if you're not talking about the the city, it, it's Houston. What? If you say if you say Houston, it sounds weird. Oh my god. That's bizarre. Whoa. But I it's like people something. who pronounce Louisville. Uh, Louisville. Louisville, yeah, or yeah. Well, you pronounce it Louisville, but you spell it that way, also. Sure, yeah, yeah. But if you heard someone say, Lu like when people say Louisville Sluggers," like that's not, yeah. Wait, what? a New Yorker said Louisville. And yeah, it's Louisville. It, oh. It's Louisville. Yeah. I'm learning all kinds of things today. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, there was that whole Elizabethtown exchange. Uh, about the pronunciation of mm -hmm. Louisville, or uh, or the, uh, the the really great part in Creed where uh, Tessa Thompson teaches Adonis about John. Oh yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so anyway, words fun with pronunciation and accents. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, um, that's uh, that's that's that. So so anyway, I don't think we have a lot of British listeners, so I don't know how much of a point. There would be in covering class before it premieres. Which is weird. Which saying. is weird because I feel like Back to the Future, we actually have quite a few. We do, but Back to the Future is an American thing, so we know what we're talking about. Or at least we sound like we know what we're talking about. Mm. Whereas this, we're um, automatically dismissed because we're American. Right. Um, just offhanded. Just, you know, just offhand. Sure. I mean, I wouldn't listen to a podcast about Breaking Bad from people from like Glasgow. I would. That, that'd be awesome. If you could understand what they were saying. Or even Canada. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be adorable. Because, well, well, because Canada would just be like the whole time. They'd just be like, I don't understand. Why doesn't he just go and get it? Right. Get yeah. The cancer treatment? <laughs> Why does it cost him any money? Why are you doing this? <laughs> yeah. What's the big deal? Yeah. <laughs> You're letting this man die. <laughs> You don't have to sell the drugs. It's two hundred dollars. I'll give you the two hundred dollars. Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> Somebody help him. His poor family. 
Anyway, we have gone. We have straight way off topic. So let's talk about the ambassadors of death part one. Mm -hmm. So uh, the thing that I love more than anything about the ambassadors of death, and there's many things to love, but the biggest thing to love is that you get the introduction. Like we always do. We cut to uh, an, an astronaut, some sort in a shuttle talking to uh, space control and <laughs> He is uh, in line to sort of uh, meet up with a Mars probe. Um, he's about seven minutes out. And so he's talking back and forth with the, uh, with, with the uh, space control guy. And they're talking about what's been going on. And this, this uh, Mars probe landed about seven or eight months ago. And there hasn't been any communication whatsoever. And then about seven months ago, it took off uh, from Mars. And they don't know who's on the ship, uh, who survived, because they can't, they can't talk to any of the astronauts that went with the probe. And so they're like, yeah, I mean, there's got to be someone alive because the, the Mars probe took off from Mars. And the astronaut says, well, something took off from Mars. And then smash cut, the ambassadors of death. Yeah, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm about it. I like it a lot. Oh, my God. It was so good. And uh, they, they continue that through the whole story. Yeah, it's. I, I really – I kind of wish they would keep doing – it kind of almost reminds me of what James Bond movies do where, yeah. you know, you see the, you know, the classic like scope kill thing. Right. Then you have the cold open, but then you have the theme song. Yeah. Um, also, this could just be the sound quality, but was there like a special sound effect whenever it would tell you what part of Ambassadors of Death there was? Because I thought I heard like whenever it would go like episode one or episode two. And it was just uh, really cool. It might have. I didn't it, it didn't it didn't stick out to me, but it might have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I like um, that. I wish they would do that again. Oh, so good, though. Uh, so then we cut to the doctor and uh, he is. He is in a room where the TARDIS console is. Uh, he has dragged it out of the TARDIS and is working on it in just like an open room. And I have to say, looking at the TARDIS control room just like in a regular room, I would kind of dig the idea of the interior of a TARDIS looking like a house at some point. Oh, just like a living room? Yeah. That'd be cool. Wouldn't that be kind of cool? It's like a different kind of TARDIS. Like it just... It, it's like they just like live in a house. Yeah. Console in the middle of the room. When you say that, the first thing that comes to my mind is um, seven in his like little easy chair in the, in the movie, like reading the time machine. Yeah. Although that's like more of like a castle kind of thing. But yeah, but but yeah, no, totally like that. But just like the idea of like having like one of those like um, two two story houses and you're like over – you're like looking over the banister of like the stairs and at the bottom of the stairs, like in the main living room is like yeah. the TARDIS console and yeah. there's like stairs you walk. Like that would be kind of a cool look I totally. think. Like the front door is the, the TARDIS front door, you know, with the <laughs> police box. Like I'm kind of into that. There's like, like a I, mini bar. Yeah. I, I would, like, I would like that. Like, like Clara like on the floor just like playing Trivial Pursuit or something or like, like working <laughs> yeah. on a puzzle. Yeah. 
um, or or Bill, as the case may be. Sure. Uh, I've 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 I really like the idea of that, and I've always really liked the idea of a TARDIS interior with brick. Oh, that'd be cool. We've never seen that before. <laughs> I just want the TARDIS interior to be Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Including all of the cast members. Yeah, the entire cast of Cheers. Rhea Perlman, Kelsey Grammer. Yeah, Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson, Kelsey Grammer. Yeah, they're all just there. <laughs> Doctor! Uh, so, so, yeah, so he's working on the on the console, and uh, Liz comes in and is like, what are, what, are you, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm working on this. I'm trying to fix the, the, the time travel stuff. And she's like, okay, and he, and she's like, well, like what, what, <laughs> what, 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 what? I mean, like, what, what does that mean? And he's like, well, like for example, where you're standing, you could it could mess up and send you to the future. And she's like, what? And then she disappears, and he's like, damn it! And then he <laughs> flips some switches, and then he disappears, and then she reappears and can't find the doctor. And goes forward and then disappears again and then he reappears and then she reappears again. And she's like, where'd you go? And he's like, where did you go? And just, you know, general fun with uh, fun with time travel. But essentially what happens is that he sent her like 15 seconds into the future. Not unlike Doc Brown does to Einstein at the Twin Pines Mall. Yes. Um, because that is how that is how the doctor sees his companions is as a uh, dog. Mm-hmm. A fluffy, uh, pet. A fluffy pet, a fluffy science dog. <laughs> and then when, and then it dies, and you're sad for a few months, and then you get a new one, and then you get a new one, oh. or you forget about them entirely. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you just, or sometimes you just let them go. <laughs> uh, so, um, so yeah, so that's happening, and then. And then we go back to uh, Space Control, where the recovery ship, called Recovery 7, finds the Mars probe and uh, starts to dock with it. Uh, and the doctor, who has been watch- who was watching this on television, uh, with disinterest prior to now, sure. now that it's actually shown up uh, at the Mars probe, now he's watching television. He's really into it. Liz comes over. And she's like, "I thought you were uninterested." And he's like, "Well, they're docking now, so yeah, now it's cool, whatever." Um, and Shut she up. hands him some tea, and he takes the tea, and then uh, talks about what they're doing, and then hands the tea back to her. And she's like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> he holds the tea the whole time he's talking, and then she hands it back to her. It's like just uh, a formality. Oh, it's so good. Uh, and, and I, I like to think that the doctor, you know, the third doctor being who he is, he just like looked at the tea and was just like, this isn't scotch. Take this back. Uh, <laughs> this is an Irish coffee. I want brandy. What? What? Come on. I want to forget where I am. Not be more aware of it. <laughs> Get it together, Liz. Splashes <laughs> uh, And then, uh, so, so the astronaut who is in recovery seven. Uh, he docks with the uh, Mars probe and he opens the hatch between them and then something like attacks him with a squeal and uh, they all hear – everyone hears the squeal. There's all this crazy choppy editing to uh, prove that the squeal is really high-pitched and hurts everyone's ears and uh, – except for the doctor who just kind of like listening to it with interest and then he uh, – 
they're all like scrambling to figure out what that was, what happened to the astronaut because he's not communicating with them anymore. Just like the pe- the people who went with the Mars probe, which can I just say, isn't the whole point of a probe that no one is on the probe? Um, yeah. Yes, Basically. that's absolutely okay. what a probe is. <laughs> okay, so the fact that that there's a crew on this probe just makes it a shuttle, not a probe, right? Yes. Okay. All right. Whatever you say, Doctor Who. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so the probe crew, uh, stopped communicating with them and now so has the recovery seven pilot. Yes. Um, who went out by himself, which it seems not safe. Um, but I think there was only one guy in there, like in the recovery craft. And then there's two in the probe. Right. That's what I was saying. Oh, okay. I was saying there was a crew on the probe, but only one guy in the recovery ship. Yeah. Just the pilot. (laughs) Right. Um, so, uh, so yeah. So the so the uh, they they can't get any uh, they can't get a message from the from the guys. So they're like okay, and they all start freaking out. The doctor is like, I got to get down there, um, and so he gets down there and he tells them he barges inside uh, without uh, without uh, ID and everything, uh, proper identification. He's really mad at the Brigadier for blowing up the Silurians in the previous story. And so he's kind of blowing him off. And he walks straight up to the space control dude. And he's like, I need, uh, I need a, I need, uh, you know, complete access to a computer. And I need uh, silence. And I need to work on this to figure out what this message is. And the guy's like, can somebody get this guy out of here? What is he babbling about? Uh, and he's like, oh my God, I don't have time for this. You just, you just give me a computer and let me figure out what this message is. He's like, what message? And he's like, the squealy thing. It was a message. And he's like, why do you think it's a message? He's like, because it's going to repeat itself. And then it does. And he's like, see? He's like, but what? how does that make it a message? He's like, because we didn't respond to the first one. So of course you don't respond to a message. You're going to get a repeat of the message. Are you an idiot? <laughs> and... The uh, and the guy's just like, oh my god, get this guy out of here. Yeah, Pertwee yeah. is really sassy. This whole story, yeah, it's pretty great. And, and then Brigadier is like takes the doctor's a doctor aside, and he's like, okay, look, I know this guy's not as smart as you are, but you have to understand, he doesn't. He's never met you before. He doesn't know how smart you are, like I do. It's like, so if you could just give the guy a little respect, I'm sure something could be worked out. And so then the doctor kind of just rolls his eyes like, okay. He's like, I'm sorry for calling you an idiot. You are, but that's neither here nor there. I need this computer. I'm going to send a message back. I just need to figure out who is sending it. Or, or yeah, I need, to send, I need to figure out what the message says. And the guy goes, okay, well, if it's a message, who is sending the message? And the doctor's just like, Head desk. <laughs> How am I supposed to know who's sending the message if I don't know what the message says? Use your brain. Right. It's like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just give me the computer so that I can respond. And the squeal goes off again. And the guy's like, okay, so obviously you're right about this message thing. And he's like, he's like, I was right. However, that wasn't repeating itself again. That was a completely different message. And the guy's like, what? And he's like, yeah, that's coming from somewhere else. So then they try uh, – the doctor 
and Liz and the Brigadier try to triangulate where the message was coming from. And they figure out that it's coming from London. It's coming from inside the house, essentially. Um, so once they figure that out, the, the doctor's like, okay, I need a map of London so that I can I can triangulate this and we can figure out exactly where this message was coming from. And the space control guy is like... You're funny. Like that 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 thing that you were using. I mean, you know, it's like got a planet of Earth, it's got a planet of the galaxy, the moon, it can do all of these things, but it doesn't have a map of London because why would we ever need that? And he's just like, You're all idiots. I hate this planet. I need to get off of this planet as soon as possible. And then uh the brigadier comes back in and he's like, Yeah, we used some radio triangulation. Uh, to localize where the message was coming from. And it turns out that it's coming from an abandoned warehouse about seven miles from here. Cut to the most amazing music you've ever heard played over two big Jeeps full of soldiers pulling up on an abandoned warehouse. It's just flutes. I love this episode score. Oh my god. All of it. I want I want I want I forgot the name of the band that did uh uh Hurry Up We're Dreaming. M83. I want M83 to like remix this whole score. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, so chill. Oh, it's so chill and it's just these flutes that that sound like they're part of like HR Puffin stuff, not <laughs> yeah. Doctor Who, not a bunch of soldiers you know, loaded to the gills with guns, like, yeah, you know. it's very smooth it's, jazz. Oh, my God, it's amazing. Uh, so they all pull up, and these Imagine dudes... Imagine how much more bearable the Transformers movies would be if there was just, like, a smooth kind of, like, ethereal techno-score playing instead of, like... fantastic. Instead of, like, <laughs> Steven Jablonski rubbing his hands against, like, keys. Yeah. Um, so the, uh... So so yeah, so they they all pull up, and then there's these guys all um, working together. Where they have their own radio gear, and they're doing their own uh, like they're doing their own thing with this whole squealy message, whatever. We don't know what their deal is, but they're they're the ones who sent the message. Um, somebody sees that unit has arrived, and their leader guy is like, "Well, that was fast. Uh, why don't you go down there and stop them from coming up here?" And then what follows is what is the classic Doctor Who equivalent of a John Wick gunfight uh, as Unit and these guys fight each other for like five oh, straight minutes. It was incredible. Yeah. It, I, it, was the, it was the dopest thing I've ever seen in Doctor Who. It, so like just people are getting – Unit soldiers are – the. Oh my gosh! And like Brigadier Leftwich Stewart just puts in work, uh-huh. like just not fear, not fearing death, like taking human lives. <laughs> it, it's amazing. There's this shot of oh, him yeah. where he he's like taking cover and he has his gun, but he stands up straight to shoot it, and then he crouches back down. Yeah, just makes just stands <laughs> up fully erect, like just not fearing death, and just. The- take- the, the way that he fires a gun is like when you're playing a fighting game and your character's uh, secret – like like secret special power is that they pull out a gun and shoot the other person. 
Yeah. And they'll be like in that fighting stance and then they just suddenly suddenly stand upright, pull out a gun, aim it perfectly, fire straight, put the gun away and then get back into a fighting stance. Yeah, yeah we should say that this is a very formal, polite, like civil gunfight. Like, yeah. It's it's very like like everyone's very chill, very like up oh, then whoop, now I'm sitting down, but like humans are dying. Like it's, I think it's the most <laughs> sudden, most violent loss of life that I've ever seen in a, in a Doctor Who story. Yet somehow it's still not as like weirdly violent as that that other story we covered, where it was like not fun. Yeah, what story was that? Oh, Attack of the Cybermen. Yeah, where it was like weirdly bloody. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is, I mean, it's it's a hundred percent kids in an abandoned warehouse playing like cops and bad guys. Yeah. And it's awesome. Except shot like nothing you've really ever seen on Doctor Who before. Yeah, it's 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 weird. It's really not Doctor Who, but it works. I like it's very it. modern the way that it's shot. Honestly, like when I when I say it's the classic who equivalent of John Wick, like I don't I'm not saying that facetiously. No, like, sure. It's a lot of <laughs> It's a lot of like following these dudes like you're following a unit guy into one of these guys and he like clotheslines him, gets gets grabbed by another dude, shoots him and then gets taken out by another guy. Right, like it's, yeah. And it'll all be in like one shot and it's really dynamically done. Like and it's crazy. Yeah, there is legit choreography. Oh, yeah. Um it you know what and and I'm and and again I'm not being facetious but um there's a trailer for this new the new Ben Wheatley movie mm-hmm. um called like Crossfire or something have you have you yeah, seen the, the movie that's that's uh that's like a two hour gunfight it right? is a feature length gunfight with like what? Brie Larson and um homeboy from Prometheus. Uh, right. Logan Marshall Green, I think his name is right, and Army Hammer, Army Hammer, and it look and it's set in the seventies, and it literally looks like this. Yeah, that's amazing. And yeah. it's like I won't. I, it almost makes you want Ben Wheatley to direct another episode of Doctor Who, but have it hopefully be better than uh, End of the Dalek. I forgot he did that one. Yeah, remember? Like, remember when Deep Breath was like really good, and then just End of the Dalek was just stupid bad for some reason. Yeah, but but at the time, I was the only one who liked Deep Breath that much. No, I liked it. At the time, you guys were both like kind of indifferent. Like, uh, let's go back to the tape. I'm hesitant. (laughs) I'm hesitant. We'll we'll see. I don't know. I really Uh, really want to watch it again. Yeah, I really liked that. And then Into the Dalek was like not good. And then I was like, oh man, was I wrong? Because I remember kind of liking Into the Dalek at the time. Yeah, I think you liked it the most out of the three of us. Yeah. Mm hmm. I think while we were talking about it, you were like, oh, that wasn't good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and into the Dalek. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, guess, I guess I would want an episode called End of the Dalek to be more about like, like I want it to be I want it to be him like, like, like psychologically breaking down a Dalek. <laughs> yeah. What do you want? Like analyze this. But yeah, like analyze this. But a Dalek is Robert De Niro. <laughs> um you're just uh the 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 psychologist from from uh from the sopranos just talking to a dalek for an hour <laughs> uh so anyway, so yeah so meanwhile so that's happening and finally like the, it's a last straw between 
uh, the brigadier and this other guy. And oh, this both, was amazing. This whole they're scene. Both, yeah, they're both aiming their guns uh, at each other and both telling the other person to put the gun away. And uh, finally, they like struggle. And then the other guy ends up on the higher ground, um, just just straight up episode three style. Pointing a gun at Leftbridge and Leftbridge is like, do it, bitch. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready to meet my maker. Do it. And then, and then finally the guy just like is like, OK, and then drops the gun and then Brigadier grabs. And he's like, OK, we they're like they're like, tell uh, space control that we've taken the warehouse. <clears throat> and they're like, OK. Um, <laughs> All right. Cool. And, and then uh, literally only two men survived that fight. Right. And then you cut back to space control and the doctor is like storming in mm -hmm. because he's like, you told me that I would have unprecedented access to any computer that I wanted for as long as I wanted. He just wants lab time, you guys. He just wants computer. He's supposed lab to use time. the lab. He signed up for the hour and somebody took his computer <laughs> and he he and wants the whole hour. It's, you know? It is finals week. Yeah. He wants what he signed up for. So so he's he's he goes and he tattles on uh, he goes and tattles on uh, on the guy. Uh, what is his name? Is this, is this the, oh, yeah. Dr. Tatalian. Tatalian, yeah. who is literally he is Italian and his name is Taltalian. Is that is what he, that accent was? I thought, I thought he was, was French. French. Yeah. Is he French? I, I got kind of a French like, oh, doctor, you stupid, <laughs> stupid butthole. Like, I, that's what I got. But who? But it wasn't a tough. good French accent, so I'm not I'm not prepared to die on that hill. I uh, see. I got bad Italian accent. Okay. I think so it's just I'm not supposed sure. to be like vaguely other European. Accent. Yeah, the fact that we're arguing about it kind of speaks to the quality of the accent. <laughs> True. Um, because there is a there is a pretty huge difference between an Italian accent and a French accent. He and yes, super Italian. He does. I think that's probably part of yeah. why I think that he, it's Italian. He but, looked and like also, Hayden, and also his name is Doctor Taltalian. Yeah, sure. it's not a very French. And also, he looks like he's been subsisting on mainly pasta for the past thirty years. <laughs> right. Uh, this guy's Italian. What should we call him? Tatalian. This doctor that the daughter that, that the doctor uh, tattles on is he's a he's Italian. What should we call him? Ta tattle Italian. Tatalian. Tatalian. Um. So uh, the doctor tattles on him and is like, "Yeah, this guy won't let me have my computer." And so I signed so, up yesterday. Yeah. So the director of the of the space control. Uh, he calls up uh, Dr. Taltalian and he's like, dude, just give him his computer. And Dr. Taltalian is like, all right. Stupid. And then he's we're, like, and then the total professor. <laughs> the, 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 the director's like satisfied and the doctor's like, yes, I am. And he storms <laughs> back off. Just with a flesh of his cape. And then as soon as he storms off, one of the uh, one of the director's assistants like runs up and she's like, She's like, hey, so problem. And he's like, what? He's like, you know those solar flares that we were worried about? <laughs> he's like, he's like, yeah. She's like, yeah, they're going to start flaring up in about 24 hours. So we don't hear back from our Recovery 7 pilot. Uh, he and the whoever's in the Mars probe are going to get fried to a crisp. And they're like – Okay, that's bad. We need to get in touch with them. So then he just opens up a line to Recovery 7 and he's like, hey, so you really need to answer me or you're going to die. <laughs> Please answer me. Hey. 
don't die. Hello? <laughs> Lou. Um, and then uh, we're like, oh, man, this is a, what a great cliffhanger. They can't get the guy that's 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 going to die in the solar flares. And then that's not the cliffhanger. You cut to the doctor storming into the computer lab going, well, I'm, I can't wait to see how he explains himself. And then burst into the room and the door shuts behind him. And Tatalian is there with a gun. Yes. It's amazing. That's how he's going to deal with Tattletales. <laughs> that's, that's how they deal with Tattletales in, the te- in Italy. <laughs> this is how we do things in Unit, Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a great cliffhanger because it's, it's not like, oh, is the Doctor going to get eaten? Of course not. This person who's on his side is pointing a gun at him. Right. What does like, this mean? What's going to – yeah, so it, it's a really fun um, – I also really love how abruptly it goes from – they really don't hang on the cliffhanger. There's like, Italian has a gun. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't like zoom in on Pertwee. Unfortunately, they don't zoom in on Pertwee. Um, but yeah, and so this is – this was an exemplary first part of this story. Uh, and to me, it – it 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 it's a prime example of the fun and escapades. Not not I mean taking outside all the the I mean the unit lost a lot of good men back there, but uh, <laughs> this is just a lot. This is, this is a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, it's it's I love Ambassadors of Death, and I and I will say I think the thing that struck me watching it this time on the other side of series nine is that it actually reminds me a lot of the Zygon two-parter. Oh yeah. Right. Tonally. Yeah. It's got a very different tone because it is fun, but it's fun in this big, like this, this big, like, like kind of, I don't even know. It's kind of like, it's kind of, it's kind of political, but it's like, yeah, it, it, it's sort of like a like a thriller. It's got like an Independence Day kind of vibe. Yeah, just, it's like you know space I mean? espionage. Yeah, space yeah. espionage. Yes. Um. Oh, by the way, I've been meaning to. We haven't brought it up. Can we talk about how that Zygon two parter like totally called the Brexit? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it did. Like although, well, but isn't that isn't I mean so did uh so did Beast Below right. Oh, totally. I mean, yeah, I mean, like the, just the idea of like it's us and them. We can't trust these people because they're different. So we should just screw all of them. Like that's what the Zygon two parter was like. Literally. Oh about. yeah, I guess it's true. And then yeah. the doctor was like, "No, you're not the same. You stupid god." god. <laughs> oh, that's oh. right. That was all about refugees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Refugees. God, that was a. Remember how how we were dreading that story, and then it was really really good. Yeah. Yeah. Season nine, dude. I'm I'm excited to revisit Capaldi when, when after he regenerates. Yeah, it's gonna be good. Yeah, there was this really interesting quote. At although, Cap- although if they don't announce an end date for him by the end of uh, series ten, I say we revisit him anyway. Yeah, let's do it. We start revisiting. Well, yeah, because we'll be in another era anyway. That's as, true. As the showrunners. Yeah, that is very true. Good call. Good call, nice. Just any excuse okay. to watch yeah. Capaldi. Yeah. Is it what what's what's the deal? I, I forget. What what was the deal? It's that uh Moffat has series ten and then a special? No, I think he's just done with series ten. He's he? done after he's done after this one. 
But I think I think Capaldi is for sure doing the first Chibnall season. I don't think it is for sure yet. Okay, I know that. I I think it's I think it's been waffling back and forth. Okay, I I I, I thought he was I thought he had signed on to whatever is after what they're filming. Is that right? Okay, Um, well maybe then um, we'll see. I mean, who? I mean, yeah. Um. So oh, so this is interesting. This is an interesting quote that I just spotted. So I was looking up series 10 because I wanted to see – because for some reason I remember there being some sort of special that sure. uh, Moffat was going to do and that was going to be his final story at the yeah. after, right after series 10. Um, like I think he was going to do like the last Christmas special, I think. Mm-hmm. Like ne- next year's Christmas special I think is going to yeah. be his last episode. Christmas 2017. Right. Um, but, uh, when I looked up series 10 to get more details, I saw this quote and I really like this. This sounds really exciting. The next, it says the first episode of the new series of Dr. Who will feel like the first episode you've ever seen. What? Who, who gave that quote? Was it Capaldi or Moffat? I don't know. It's radio times is the headline. That's cool. Um, Moffat. Nice. I hope the after- tone is very different. The last series with Clara, that relationship had got tortured and dark and went to odd places. It was one of my favorite series to work on. I was delighted with it, but it become a it had become darker. It just had that's where we were in that relationship. If I gave you one word for this series, it's new. It's brand new. You're going to see Ooh. the Doctor through a whole new pair of eyes. Um, in fact, we have a particular plan to make sure that episode one is really episode one. It could be the first episode you ever see. Oh, it explains nice. the entirety, the entire mythos of Doctor Who, uh, and you can start there. Brand new is the tone. Ooh, we should tell, like, Allie that. It's still Moffat. She won't watch it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you can't, you can't, they, 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 they've all drawn a hard line. You can't, uh, you can't convince Well, yeah, who couldn't, yeah, we, we, we were, we were there once. Yeah. Um, what, it, it's so funny when you said like, I hope Moffat does a Christmas special. What if Christmas 2017, it's just like, like a Phyllis Diller one man show of just Moffat just on stage. Being like, hello, I'm here. That would be weird. And I die. I got fired. So, episode <laughs> episode two. Um, oh boy, Doctor Italian is pointing a gun at the doctor, and he's like, "Give me that tape, you old opera guy." And the doctor's like, "No, <laughs> you don't. You won't even understand it if I gave it to you because you're a stupid European." And um, then the doctor, the Italian's like, look, dude, I'm not playing around. I will legit shoot you in your weird part we face if you don't give me that tape. And then the doctor seemingly makes the tape disappear like a magic trick, which is funny because he looks like a magician. And um, (laughs) then Italian is like, where's it? What'd you do? What'd you do with the tape? And then uh, Brigadier comes in like he's the RA and is just like, what's going on? And then he's panicked, and so Tatalian grabs Liz and uh, until he can escape. And so then the brigadier goes after him. Um, then Liz is like, what happened to that tape? And he goes, you mean this tape? And, like, it reappears. And she's like, yay! <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and he's like, I'm a weird old man. 
And then uh, the doctor and Liz <laughs> and kind of a it's kind of funny because we were just talking about how this was um, how this episode was filmed and they they convert the tape on a digital converter. Um, and then the brigadier is like, hey, uh, sorry, but Tatalian escaped. And the doctor's like, how could that guy have possibly outran you? And he's like, I don't know. It's weird. And um, <laughs> it's fast. You know, he doesn't look it, but he's fast. Uh, then the brigadier's like, hey, we converted the tape. Oh, no, the brigadier's like, hey, I just got done with a massive warehouse shootout. All my men are dead. But I did manage to take one prisoner. And the doctor's like, well, I want to talk to him. And the brigadier's like, come with me. Um, so the guy that almost shot Brigadier but chose to get he he wanted to get caught, but now he's um <laughs> he's in like an interrogation room and he won't talk. And the Brigadier's like, "Why didn't you shoot me when you had the chance?" And he's like, "I don't know." And the doctor's like, "Well, maybe he was ordered not to kill you." And the Brigadier's like, "Well, we don't even know who this is." He's they're like he doesn't have any sort of insignia or ranking like you know shine signs of ranking on its clothing. So the doctor's like, "Well." Maybe there's something like bigger about him than we thought about. So they start to leave. But then he asked the sergeant like really nicely if there's anything he can get for him. And then he just starts like screaming at him like he's like Arlie Ernie in the full metal jacket. And then the sergeant like springs to attention out of instinct like he stands up and the doctor's like, oh, he's an army officer. <laughs> and then uh, a scientist comes to get the doctor Meanwhile, uh, there's a man on the TV or, you know, not meanwhile, but they go to the TV and there's a, a TV broadcaster says that two capsules, the two capsules have been separated, but there's still no communication from either of the uh, the capsules. So the doctor and the brigadier uh, are told that the vessels are now seven miles apart and they're expanding. The recovery shuttle is heading towards Earth and it's like 10, 11 minutes from reentry and then it starts to happen earlier and they're like, what? And then the doctor goes to check on Liz. The brigadier leaves to uh, run a security report on that weird sergeant guy. Little does the brigadier know that while this is going on, an anonymous figure uh, disarms a poor unit guard and frees the sergeant. So Liz and another scientist whose name is Dobson uh, has found no pattern on the tape. The doctor says there might be something wrong with the computer. Dobson's like, no, it's a, <laughs> it's a computer. It's the whole point of having computers that it's never wrong. And the doctor's like, well, hold on. What's two plus two? And the computer's like five. And Dobson's like, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> and the doctor's like, that bearded European guy, Tatalian, sabotaged this computer. Meanwhile. The recovery shuttle is a mere mere seconds away from control range. Contact is finally established between the shuttle and Space Center, but they can't get any response from the shuttle. The brigadier is worried that the shuttle is going to burn up. And so space. Uh, so the Space Center takes control of the shuttle and radar contact is made. Meanwhile, the man on the news tells the public that the capsule is on course to land somewhere in the south of England. The Space Center is tracking the capsule and controls its landing, and then it lands and uh, the Brigadier and Doctor were like, yay, it landed. We did it. High five. <laughs> um, so then the Doctor, the Brigadier, and Cornish go out to the capsule now that it's landed. Cornish speaks to the astronauts through a communication device and uh, can't get a response. Still no word from anyone inside the shuttle. Little do they know. They're being watched by men that are in the warehouse. 
So they're like, well, maybe they're dead. Maybe they're unconscious. And maybe there's like a, a mechanism that's jamming them, right? And the Brigadier suggests that they take the capsule back to Space Center. And so the Brigadier contacts unit headquarters and orders that, um, hey, clear the route. We're, 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 we're on our way. We have the capsule. We're going to take it back. And he wants some police to accompany them so they can die. Uh, they load the capsule onto the back of a truck and head off. Okay. So I'm, I'm really excited about this next part. The Brigadier. Uh. <laughs> okay. So, so there's like a convoy, right? Headed back to Space Center and they have the, the, the capsule. The Brigadier sees a helicopter coming towards them. <laughs> and right away, he's like, there's not supposed to be a helicopter there. Then it starts to hover over the truck and they start dropping smoke grenades <laughs> and just the, and the, like the drivers and the cops like, like Whoa, and they have to stop and the helicopter lands. And then we get, I'm not kidding, another gunfight. Um, oh, yeah. And not just any gunfight, because so the people in the helicopter have these weird like paintball helmets, like these clear paintball like face masks. And yeah, they're, they have like, these, they're like nose masks. Yeah, like they only cover the lower half of their face. It's really weird. But they, they're also wearing sunglasses. Yeah, and they're also wearing sunglasses, guys. Not goggles, just like sunglasses. And they have these like weird, crazy, like blunderbuss guns that are super big. And so they have another gunfight. And it's literally like watching kids play pretend. Because when the unit soldiers are shot... It's just like the actors reacting. There's not even like a laser effect or anything. It's almost yeah. like a it's almost like a force gun. <laughs> so, oh, and I should say that the whole time this is playing, they're all the whole time this is happening. The soundtrack is also, again, really chill, ambient, beautiful, like techno music. So that's amazing. Um, uh, did we talk about the saxophone music from earlier? No. Oh God, that's some good stuff. Yeah, there's some great sax. This super this whole, this whole episode, jazz. This whole episode is just super seventies. Oh, um, so there's a, so a bunch of unit people are dead again. Um, they the helicopter <laughs> grabs the shuttle. There's just this one random unit guy like chops on the helicopter as it's taking off. Yeah, I thought it was just, the brigadier at first, but then you see his face. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, not. And then it just turned out to be some random guy that doesn't even have a name. Um. <laughs> So the doctor comes, sees that this is happening. He gets into Bessie. He blocks the way. <laughs> he blocks the way with Bessie. Um, then the two men are like, get out of the way. And the doctor pretends to be like a weird old guy. And he's like, my car broke down because I'm a human and I'm old. Can you help <laughs> me move the car? And then like, fine, we'll push your weird car out of the side of the road. And then um, after that, the, the doctor flicks on um, an anti-thief device switch on the <laughs> dashboard. <sighs> and uh, makes yeah and it makes the dashboard of the car on the outside it makes it causes the outside of the car to become magnetized <laughs> well they're not even magnetized because it's not like they have metal hands it just sticks their hands to the, the just, like, car sticky. yeah and so the doctor re-steals the truck mm -hmm. uh, so the brigadier is like hey all my men are dead again uh, they have the truck and he goes, then what's that? And the brigadier's like, you son of a bitch. And he sees like the doctor <laughs> coming back and he's like, ah, I did it. And then he receives a phone call from Liz saying that they'd finally found a pattern on the tape. 
Um, the doctor leaves and uh, Cornish starts getting to work on like the capsule. So doctor and Liz reunite. The Liz is like, Hey, we found the Liz. Liz finds this, uh, this pattern. So it shows that Tatalian has been, uh, he had some kind of prior. He knew that this was going to happen. The doctor says, I'm going to go talk to the top man. Once alone, Dobson rings someone and informs him that the code is close to being cracked. Who is he talking to? We'll find out. The doctor and brigadier explain to the minister of technology, uh, this new guy, that everything has happened and that, they're, that they probably have a mole. So in a classic Roland Emmerich fashion, uh, this minister of technology is kind of a jerk. And he sends the two men away. He's very dismissive of the doctor. Uh, the brigadier's like, dude, pick your battles. And then <laughs> and then um, when the doctor and brigadier leave, uh, Sir James goes to a cupboard and uh, a Italian is hiding in there. Um, there's still no response from the recovery shuttle. And he's like, OK, we're just going to have to, like, crack it open, I guess. And then Liz starts picking up some weird static signals. So Sir James and Italian are discussing how the doctor is getting closer and closer to their secret. And Sir James say, well, it's OK, because they're about to get a special surprise. They finally hear a voice coming from the shuttle. It appears to be the voice of one of the astronauts asking for permission for reentry. Cornish is like, hey, you're already in, in Space Center. And then he says he again requests for reentry. And he keeps repeating the message again and again and again. And the doctor says, cut open the capsule. And that's the end of the episode. It's mm. so good. That's some good stuff. I, you know, we, we talk a lot about what we would do if we ever get a chance to write an episode of Doctor Who. Right. This episode has really inspired how I would want to direct an episode of Doctor Who. Yeah. Like, I'm all about this, like, kind of 70s, like, action, but not dumb action. Like, I don't know. I just I just really... This is need... what... This is what... They should have had Ben Wheatley direct the Zygon two-parter. Oh, my God. Yeah, I think so, too. That's what they should have got. That's what they should have done. I mean, yeah. you know, granted, I, I'm sure, you know, from Ben Wheatley's perspective... He was probably like, whoa, but they offered me the regeneration episode. Why wouldn't I want that? Mm -hmm. you know? And it's hard to argue with that. Sure. Uh, that's, that's a very good point. However, if that was the case, then he should have done I, – I mean it, it's – well, I guess those are two different series then. Never mind. But yeah, they should have brought I, – I wish they could have gotten Ben Wheatley back for Series 9 to do that Zygon two-parter because that would have been so up his alley – yeah, because like think oh. about and, and and I know you weren't a fan of the the movie, but think about just aesthetically, like think about High Rise. Oh no, totally. I, and know? I didn't like the movie because of the script. It's not his fault. Oh, totally. Yeah, and it was uh, just yeah, and, and probably the story. Like it just it's it, I don't I don't get it. Mm -hmm. But but his direction was impeccable. Sure, he's a good director. Yeah. So tell us about part three. Okay, so Cassandra. Yeah. The. Uh, <laughs> the the doctor yells for them to cut open the capsule, and they open it, and it's empty. Um, and there's a tape recording of the Actually, astronaut. let me pause you right there. Okay. So the, the way that these episodes are edited now, we talked about it at the beginning, how you had that little cold open, and then the oh, ambassadors right, yeah. of death. Now what <laughs> they've been doing is, in typical Doctor Who fashion, 
they are repeating the cliffhanger from the previous episode and then doing the ambassadors of death. And it is so badass when the doctor <laughs> says, cut, cut open, open, cut open the ship. <laughs> Boom. The ambassadors of death. Part three. <laughs> oh, it's so good. The way part we delivers it is just so like cut open the door. Just so dry. Cut open the door. <laughs> Because <laughs> he like, I love the way that they build tension by doing that, though. Because like, yeah, you've seen it before, but it's just to reiterate that that's what it ended on, and then you get the title card, and you're like, right, oh man, it doesn't feel as repetitious as it does when they do it the other way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it also, it also, I bet it would also improve their lame cliffhangers, <laughs> like totally. like with the ones where it's like where it's like the guy has a gun and it like you cut to ambassadors of death and you come back and the doctor just judo chops it out of his hand, dude. That'd be like, sick, right? But when you put them together, it just looks super lame, right? You know. Oh, so anyway, Continue. I like yeah, I like that they chose to do that. Um, so they, they cut open the craft and it's empty, except for a tape recorder who's playing a pre-recorded message from the astronaut. Um, and there's just tons and tons of radiation, um, but it's like 70s radiation, so no one really knows what that means. Um, so they just use it a lot in this episode. Um, so- no one in this episode lived past the age of 50. <laughs> <laughs> I know. No one's wearing hazmat suits or anything. They all, they all got super cancer after this. <laughs> Super cancer. <laughs> um, so they're like, where did where did they go? And um this this general Carrington uh is <laughs> is introduced, this guy I'm sorry, I love I just I I I want to I want to have I want my future son or daughter to have a stuffed animal called General Carrington. Oh no, <laughs> I'm going to General Carrington. I'm Drop and give me a hug, and that's an order. I'm <laughs> General oh. Carrington. Oh my god. That's so creepy. Just <laughs> a bear with like a little helmet. Oh. The helmet has like hearts on it. General. You have my permission to turn the keys and launch hug whistles. <laughs> Mutually assured affection. <laughs> oh my god. You can tell Nick, Nick having just thought of that was almost too excited to get it out of his mouth. <laughs> titled episodes <laughs> this would absolutely be called mutually assured affection <laughs> oh my god general character <laughs> just like the super right wing care bear oh no oh god oh anyway so what does general character do so he 
He has the uh, the three astronauts in another facility, uh, and they were removed before uh, the doctor got them out um, or opened the. <laughs> Sorry, he, before he cut open the capsule, um, and the doctor and the brigadier are like, "Well, something's fishy's going on." So this Sir James guy, he kind of formally introduces them to General Carrington. Who is the head of the uh, mi- the space security department? Because that's the thing that you need your tax yeah. dollars going for. Is um, that what unit's for? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, what's unit then? Like, I don't get it. Um, I guess their logic is that because this is a British, like it's like the British NASA, they need like a solely British security. Oh, right, because unit is United Nations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. right. Uh, okay. Um, cool. Yeah. So they don't want any of those pesky United Nations people messing with their stuff. So they, apparently, the astronauts have been infected with contagious radiation, which I think mm. sums up all of the 70s. Like, yes. everyone is... I love when Doctor Who talks about radiation, because, especially in this era, because they don't... That no one knows what they're talking about. Um, but uh, Sir James says, you know, he didn't want the public to become... They're panicky and stuff, so he had uh, the security department um, acting on his behalf to keep the public unaware that this was happening. Um, and so the doctor kind of makes a joke and everyone laughs about it, and then they're like, oh, are you satisfied, doctor? And he's just like, no. Where are the astronauts? <laughs> <laughs> and General Carrington's like, oh, well, I have them. They're they're safe. And they he takes them to see the astronauts. Um, but meanwhile, this, this guy named Regan, um, is kidnapping them and we don't see the astronauts faces. It's very much like the, uh, the two parter, the impossible astronaut two parter, um, in series six, where you just have these three suits that are kind of walking around and you can't see their faces. It's very, yeah, it's, it's very, uh, very Vastra Narada. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I can't imagine that this is not the inspiration for that. Ooh, that's a good point. Um, so you have it's these. Even, it's even, it's because it's even got the the repetitive uh, talking thing because oh, of the that's talk, right. the, the recording. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, him repeatedly asking for permission uh, for reentry mm-hmm. is not unlike. Somebody going, hey, who turned out all the lights? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. It's interesting. Um, but you have these three suits laying on this table, and one of the doctors is arguing with them because, you know, they need to be in the hospital, and, like, they they have, like, two million, like, units of radiation. They should be dead. Um, so this guy, Regan, kind of crashes the party with his hench- henchmen, um, and they kidnap the astronauts and kill everyone else and these henchmen are ordered to protect the astronauts um but they they end up dying because radiation um so the carrington takes the doctor and the brigadier to see the astronauts but everyone's dead and they're not there um and this guy regan is driving this getaway van and he uh, disposes of his friends' bodies in a like a quarry because we need a quarry because it's Doctor Who, and he 
uh, he like strips their, I don't know, like he like checks their pockets and then puts like a, like a note in them. So it's like really sketchy and like leaves like weapons and stuff. Um, and then they get buried under gravel and he returns to his van and it's the greatest thing ever because when he gets back to his van, it's like a laundry van. And then he pushes a button and the button makes the license plate flip over. So it's a completely different license plate. And then he pushes it again. And the, um, the label on the side of the van somehow magically changes. So now it's a bakery van. Um, spectacular. It's so good. And they eventually find the bodies in the quarry. But meanwhile, the doctor and Liz are, you know, sciencing. And they're just like, well, humans cannot withstand this degree of radiation. So where are the astronauts if they are, you know, obviously they're gone. But like where, like who's in the suit? And the doctor's like, oh, well, they're still in orbit. Um, So they don't know what the suits are full of but they need to track them down and the three suits are now in a different um laboratory and you have this uh dr lennox who is responsible for babysitting them and he has them in a like a containment chamber like a quarantine chamber um and one of them gets up off the table and starts like banging on the window and he, like, Regan's like, oh, that's weird. They haven't moved, really. So he goes in there, and he checks up on one, but he, like, falls. And the alien kind of violently throws him against the wall, and he, t- he tries to run. And Lennox runs away. Uh, but then Regan's like, oh, well, they, they need radiation to survive, and we've been um, starving them of it. So we need to, like, up the radiation dosage. And they'll they won't be violent anymore. And uh, Regan kind of interrogates uh, Lennox, and he's like, "Oh, have you ever come across these two? And he shows him a picture of Liz and the Doctor. And Lennox is like, "Oh, maybe I don't know why." And Regan's like, "Oh, well, I got to take care of them." So um, the Brigadier uh, they they get sent a message from the brigadier that says they found two bodies in this quarry and they want them to go look at them. But the doctor is too busy doing doctor things. So uh, Liz decides to go on their behalf and Liz leaves. And then the brigadier shows up in the doctor's lab and the doctor's like, wait, well, didn't you just send us a message? Where, why are you back early? So they realize Liz is in danger. So uh, the brigadier sprints out. And we get this really awesome um, car chase scene because uh, yeah. Liz, Liz is, drive, is driving Bessie. And there's this nondescript kind of sedan that kind of follows her. And she keeps looking over her shoulder at it because it's kind of inching closer to her. And she suddenly turns onto like a, another street and it like follows her. And it's so cool. Like she mm-hmm. she's like trying to like drive drive away. But this these uh these guys are following her. So. And also amazing music again. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's like a complete disconnect. It's kind of cool. Um, cause it's like smooth jazz. Whenever there's action. I really want Bessie to come back and 
I don't. I can't think of a doctor I'd want driving her more than twelve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> With his sunglasses, that'd be yeah. sick. Um, so Liz kind of gets <laughs> to a um, like a trap. They have another car that's like um, cutting her off. So instead of staying in the car and like backing up like a, a normal person, she uh, gets out of the car and runs. And they come to this uh, like this power plant, like this water water dam and she is running in these like knee-high go-go boots and it's like the most 70s thing i think yeah. i've ever seen um and they're chasing her across this field and she like runs over this bridge where there's like this water and this one guy like gets pushed off and he like i don't think he falls yet um and liz just socks him in the face and he goes like over the railing and this, the other guy chasing her kind of grabs her, and she also goes over the railing, and she's dangling um, off the railing, and that's where the episode ends. Oh, Again, yeah. a really solid cliffhanger. Yeah. yeah. It's not it's really hokey. Like, none of these cliffhangers are a big fake monster hand comes out of, from around a corner and grabs <laughs> someone. Yeah. It's really good. It's it's uh, I I just I really love this story. I'm excited to continue watching it. I forgot Me how too. much of a slow burn it is. Yeah, it has to good, be. It's like episodes. a good way, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I like yeah. this. I'm really excited for Christmas, guys. I mean, I mean, I know I know Doctor Mysterio is going to be nothing like this, but I'm just really excited for just this this show to come back. Yeah. yeah, I just hope it's better than the the River Song Christmas special from last year. You know, the the bar is low. <laughs> yeah, for Christmas specials. It just has to be better than last Christmas and um whatever the other one was called uh the the, the husbands of River Song. The husband of River Song? Yeah, yeah I think that's right. Yeah. I mean I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, Justin Chatwin looks stupid AF in that photo, but I mean, I hope that's intentional. Um, I mean, just, you know, what's, you know, what's really interesting about the return of Dr. Mysterio, <laughs> uh, it's nothing about this seems Christmassy yet. Right. Which is interesting because that's almost been, which is something we've enjoyed about the Christmas specials, but. It's interesting. Like, like, will will it be Christmas time in in, in Mysterio City? <laughs> Which would be another great episode title. <laughs> no, Christmas time in Mysterio City. I don't know. What do you guys think, listeners? Are you excited about the Christmas special? I'm just excited for a new episode, just in general. Yeah, yeah. And and they better they better go old school and give me a trailer for the new season at the end of that Christmas special. Oh, I hope so. Did they do that last year? No, oh, no, they well, they wouldn't have. There was nothing to show. Oh, right. Well, <laughs> um, yeah, but I'm um, yeah. So we're we're excited and we'll be recapping the rest of the special later. But in the meantime, if you want to go to our website at duelinggenre.com and, um, you know, what are you guys thoughts on uh, the ambassadors of death and Dr. Mysterio and what have you contact us at contact at back to the future. <laughs> she sorry. Contact <laughs> The doctor's companion.us. Twi- tweet at us at TDC pod. 
Um, if you want to draw pictures of uh, General Carrington, you can send them to <laughs> the Doctor's Companion Podcast dot com. <laughs> and um, so he's already my favorite thing that we've ever. Man, we've uh, we've created some really great characters on this yeah. podcast. Um, anyway, uh, Facebook us, iTunes us, leave us a five star review, which really helps us out. Spread the word to the Whovians in your life that we're here and we're queer and we're staying. I don't know. What was the, was the, anyway, uh, back to the future minute is currently on hiatus, but we are coming back in 2017 and Scott and I are still doing our no roads edition on the weekends. If you're a Patreon subscriber and we are also, uh, now proudly hosting Lord of the Rings minute hosted by Cassandra and her fiance Norman and coming soon next month, Harry Potter minute. Boom. Ah. Exclusive. So Scott played me the, uh, the first episode for Harry Potter Minute, hosted by two listeners of Back to the Future Minute. And I said, I didn't even have to finish the whole episode. I was like, I like them. Mm. So nice. they're good. They're fun. It's a guy and a girl. And uh, we, I'm happy. I'm happy that we have both of the major geek movie franchises under book, dueling book genre. Book franchises. Book franchises. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, Geek by Night is coming back. Identity Crisis is dropping by the end of the month, and you can guarantee it that. Should be, it should be out by now. That's insane. I think. That's Yay. insane. I love this episode. I'm really proud of it. Uh, Patreon us at duelinggenre.com slash support. Drop us some. <laughs> drop us some. Like a, it sounds like some sort of like like Roman god. Patreon us. Hello! <laughs> Just Lord Patreon us. Um, help us out. Uh, you know, if you want a second season of Doctor Who, of, 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 uh, of Geek by Night, uh, we have a lot of fun stuff planned. You can go to DylanGenre.com slash support and drop in, drop in a couple bucks or $5. It gets all kinds of fun bonus podcasts and stuff. And Or if you just want to make a little one-time donation, you can hit our donation button. Or if you want to buy some cool t-shirts, including uh, the What Lorraine t-shirt, the Doctor's Companion t-shirt, and even more stuff coming up, you can check out our merch button on our website and as always special thanks to patreon associate producer leaper 182 and we will see you next time for parts four through seven